0: that we haven't really been able to get going again uh, was the children's choir. Uh, I loved meeting with the children every Wednesday, sharing with them Bible stories and games and uh, watching them develop their talent for singing, their love of being in a choir. Uh, And so this morning I wanted to share with you a song that they did about a year and a half ago uh, that I think is good for our message today, but also I I just miss seeing them in worship. So... It's amazing to me, that was only about a year and a half ago, but they've grown so much since then. Uh, So that was the Books of the Old Testament song that we were teaching the children, and I told them that when they got to Lamentations, we are going to slow down and really just like whine it out. And they just leaned into that, and they really helped us understand that Lamentations uh, is a whine, right? It's all about whining. (coughs) If you're not familiar with Lamentations, it's not a very long book. It's five chapters, um, and each chapter is a lament, which is a special kind of poem. Uh, And it's a poem of sorrow, of sadness, of pouring your heart out to God. Uh, But it's uniquely Christian, because anyone can cry or whine or vent all their frustrations, but only in a lament Do we find hope in the promises of God? We'll see as we go through the message today that a lament always turns towards that hope. Its unique purpose is trust. This divinely given invitation to pour out our fears, our sorrows, for the purpose of helping us to renew our confidence in God. I have a preacher friend that I meet with once a week, and we pray together, and we were talking about what we were preaching on this week. And I said, Lamentations. And she was like, really? Did, like, Mike assign you that? (laughs) I said, no, I chose it. Why would you choose Lamentations? It's not super happy. Um, If you are a preacher that follows the Revised Common Lectionary, which is sort of a schedule of suggested scriptures over a three-year cycle. Lamentations only pops up three times, I think, um, usually during Lent uh, or Holy Week, uh, but not really often, not like um, the Gospels or Genesis, which pop up a lot. So it's not, you know, something that we commonly preach about. Well, there are a couple of reasons that I chose to preach on Lamentations. Uh, For one, it's not something that we commonly preach about. And I think that it's important uh, that in addition to the praise and the recognition um, of our Christian story, we also include this gift we've been given from God to lament. That God can take all of our angers, our frustrations, our sorrows, and we can renew our confidence and trust in God in that way. I'm also kind of a literary nerd, uh, and there are some really interesting literary things happening inside of Lamentations, um, and sometimes I think that when we kind of understand the structure of what we're reading, it helps us out, makes a little bit more sense to us. So there are five chapters of Lamentations, as I mentioned. Each lament is a poem, uh, but a special kind of poem. There are um, acrostic poems, chapters 1, 2, and 4. Um, are acrostic poems. So each line corresponds with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So it's 22 lines. Uh, Chapter 5 is actually not an acrostic. It's just a poem, but it's still 22 lines because symmetry. Uh, And then chapter 3, which is sort of the centerpiece of the book, and it's what we're looking at today, is 66 lines because it's also an acrostic, but it's in triplets, which is very cool and kind of musical. Uh, So each The first three lines are with the first letter and the second and third and so on and so on uh, until we get to the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. So that's just really neat. Kind of some nerdy knowledge for you to take away with you today. (laughs) Uh, And then I also chose to preach on Lamentations because it has that incredible message of hope found in God's promises. And hope was really where I started. Uh, So I know that seems weird that I'm proclaiming that there is a message of hope found in this book of whining, but Lamentations was written by the prophet Jeremiah um, during a particularly dark period of history for God's people. So picture it, Judah, 586 BC. The Babylonians have captured the city of Jerusalem The king and all of the priests and skilled laborers have been exiled to Babylon. All that's left are the servants, uh, the peons, and the peasants uh, who are now slaves to the occupying forces. And it is with these people that Jeremiah chooses to stay, to minister to them in this time of their nation's suffering. So chapter 3 is basically um, the suffering of the nation of Judah portrayed as one man's suffering. So it could be that it's Jeremiah's emotions and feelings about it or just some unknown person's record. Uh, But really it's the personification of this whole nation and the suffering that they have. And then he says that he's bereft of peace that he's forgotten what happiness is even, Um, just verse after verse of this pouring out of frustration and deep, deep sorrow of the circumstances that this nation finds itself in. But then in the middle, like a break in the clouds, we read Lamentations 3, 21 to 24. But this I call to mind... And therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I will hope in him. You see, a lament imagine, looks at the world through a biblical lens. Because as Christians, we know the long arc of God's plan. Creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. So no matter how much whining and sorrow and frustration and anger gets poured into a lament, it always moves toward this message of hope, of restoration that stands in the promises of God. Perhaps you find yourself bereft of peace. There's plenty these days in our world to lament about. There's plenty of brokenness. Between the pandemic and the problems that that has caused for mental health, unemployment, income loss, the stress that it places under, for students and teachers and just our world in general, Um, And just the division that it can cause between the way people approach it. Toss in some struggles for racial equity, political divisions, a sense of disillusionment in our land. And like the people of Judah, we might be feeling like strangers in our own land. We may feel like everything is just upside down. So if you're feeling like that, first I would say, That's okay. If Lamentations teaches us anything, it's that it's okay to not be okay. Jeremiah whines for like 135 of the 154 verses in this book. The bright spots are few. (laughs) But that lament takes a lot of faith and strength. It shows a remarkable capacity for coping and strength that I think can only come from a deep faith in God. Laying out the messy struggles of your soul, having an awareness, doing the work to really be aware of what your soul is struggling with, going to God for help, takes trust. It requires us to be Vulnerable. A lament turns toward God when sorrow tempts you to run from him. Last week, Mike mentioned how angry he was with God when, as he finished seminary, his dad was diagnosed with cancer. I was in a similar situation once where I was very angry, frustrated, and confused with God. Like Mike, I had turned my whole life upside down, left my chosen career, was serving in the church when the worst happened and our son Thomas was stillborn. And all I could say was, seriously, God? Seriously. I felt like I had given everything I had and been only given sorrow in return. I felt like I had two choices. I could turn away from God in my anger and in my frustration and confusion, or I could lean in, continue talking, even if all I could say was seriously, which I think is a totally appropriate prayer. (laughs) And that's what Jeremiah is doing. He's leaning in. Because he never stops talking to God. He never stops acknowledging that God is God. And that reminds him of that steadfast love. Of that enduring faithfulness that he speaks of. And the hope of restoration. And more than just lamentations, there are a lot of laments in the Psalms, and they all sort of move in this typical fashion. They have a movement towards hope. A really common example that you may be familiar with is Psalm 13. This is the one that says, How long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts day day? After day, and have sorrow in my heart. But it moves to, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. The lament language moves us to a place of renewal in our commitment to God. Trusting and remaining hopeful in God's promises. Now, that doesn't mean that all of our problems melt away or that the present realities of the world don't still exist. It doesn't make the brokenness go away. Uh, Please don't hear me say today that all you need to do is pray and your problems disappear. It's not a cure all for anxiety or depression or medical conditions. We still have to seek out other options like therapy and medication. In the times that I was talking to the Lord, I also went to grief counseling. It's important that we have this holistic approach. But prayer and spiritual disciplines can be a big part of that. The language of the lament, the lesson for me, is that it's okay to have a pity party but don't get stuck there. We have to find our way back to that hope. And so I think it's important to pay attention to what you're feeding your soul. I'm talking about what you're reading and what you're absorbing. What sort of filter do you have on your perception of the world? If you find that you are constantly surrounded by negativity, check your filter. Maybe choose a different one. If everything is reinforcing your belief that we are headed to doom and destruction and that there's no hope, change up your intake. Instead of a daily dose of social media and cable news, try a daily dose of devotional and scripture, speaking with friends, seeking wise counsel, Perhaps keep a gratitude journal or just be mindful of when positive things happen, where God is working in your life. One of my favorite spiritual authors, Henry Nowen, wrote, joy does not simply happen to us. We have to choose joy and keep choosing it every day. And I think the same is true of hope. We could substitute the word hope for joy in that quotation. We have to choose it. We have to look for it during those times when we are stuck in a season of sorrow. And you can find it all around you. It's actually one of the reasons that I wanted to talk about hope today because I knew it was Scout Sunday and that we would have these examples of youth who are devoting their time to service and reverence with us this morning. They give me hope. I don't know if you paid attention to the scout law that they said earlier, but these 12 characteristics that they have pledged their loyalty to are great. They're characteristics that I would want in any leader And so it gives me hope that these are our future leaders and that this is how they're pledging to live their lives. I spent a day yesterday with a group of Cub Scouts from Pac-921 teaching them the God and Family Religious Emblem class. And it was a very rowdy group of fifth grade boys, all boys. But they gave me hope because they were excited to learn about their faith to know what they could do to strengthen it. Those of you who are leaders working with our youth, not only in Scouts, but also as teachers or members of the community, Sunday school teachers, you give me hope because you're choosing to invest your time in them. Because for me, if I want to change the world, I'm going to start by walking down the hall to the Sunday school class And working with those kids, with any kids, to help them understand the steadfast love and faithfulness of the Lord, to teach them that that means that they should love others, care for their community, respect people who are different than they are, instill in them the virtues that will make a better tomorrow for all of us the baptism that we'll have after service today gives me hope. Not only because I'm really going to enjoy watching Mike climb into that really cold fountain. (laughs) God bless him. (laughs) But because it's the church being the church. And the church continuing to be the church during these really hard times gives me hope. That despite our differences... We come together as one body in Christ to worship and to care for those around us. I encourage you to choose hope. Anyone can cry or whine, but only Christians can lament because integral to the lament is hope. You can't have a lament without a message of hope and trust that God is sovereign, that God is good, and that God has a plan for our restoration. We believe in God's power to deliver because we know the tomb is empty and Jesus is alive. So turn as Jeremiah did in Lamentations 3 to the steadfast love of the Lord and his enduring faithfulness. Let us pray. Dear God, we come to you today knowing that you walk with us always. You walk with us when we praise, when we have joys, when we're on the mountaintop, but you also walk with us when we're in the valley. And Lord, forgive us that it's those times that we often feel the furthest away from you. Help us to be ever mindful of your presence, knowing that you are right there with us, holding us, comforting us. Give us the strength to turn to you and to trust in your faithful promises. Lord, we know that you work all things together for our good. Help us to trust that, to keep it in our hearts always. And once we are certain of that hope, help us to have the courage to share it with others so that they may also find the hope that is in you. Amen.